0: Please remain standing as you are able for the reading of God's word. The text for this morning is from Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. I will be reading in Polish and the English translation will be on the screen as I read. Pewnego dnia, gdy nauczał nad jeziorem Genezaret, napierała na niego mnóstwo ludzi. Wszyscy bowiem bardzo pragnęli słuchać Słowa Bożego. Wtedy spostrzegł przy brzegu dwie łodzie. Zostawione przez rybaków, którzy płukali sieci. Wszedł do jednej z nich i poprosił Szymona, jej właściciela, aby wypchnął ją nieco na wodę. Sam zaś usiadł i przemawiał z niej do tłumów. Gdy skończył, zwrócił się do Szymona. „Wypuń teraz na jezioro i zarzuć sieci. Panie, odparł Szymon, całą noc ciężko pracowaliśmy i niczego nie słowiliśmy. Skoro jednak Ty tak mówisz, zrobił to. Zarzucili więc sieci, ale tym razem były tak pełne, że aż się rwały. Zawołali więc na pomoc wspólników z drugiej łodzi. Wkrótce obie łodzi były tak zapełnione rybami, że prawie tonęły. Widząc to wszystko, Szymon Piotr upadł przed Jezusem na kolana i prosił: Panie, odejdź ode mnie, bo jestem zbyt grzeszny, aby z Tobą przebywać. Mówił tak, bo ilość złapanych ryb wywarła na nim ogromne wrażenie. Zdumienie ogarnęło również innych rybaków. Wśród nich także wspólników Szymona, Jakuba i Jana, synów Zebedeusza. Jezus odpowiedział jednak, niczego się nie obawiaj, odtąd będziesz łowił ludzi. Gdy tylko przybyli do brzegu, zostawili wszystko i poszli za Jezusem. This is God's word. Please be seated. We have a guest preacher this Sunday, a gospel partner from Czech. The kids can be dismissed.
1: ...are dead. It's flashing, right, flashing red. Okay. This doesn't count in my preaching time. Okay, good morning again. So, uh, my name is Vášek. I'm from Czech Republic. That's in middle of Europe. And it's a great privilege to be with you today. Um, uh, I'm Vášek, Czech Republic. Czech Republic, we planted our church in Czech Republic nine years ago. Czech Republic is one of the most atheistic countries in the world, and we planted our church in the midst of that. Uh, um, I'm a, from a family of non-Christians, and most of our church, 95% of our church, is first-generation Christians, so that's kind of our context. when we we'll are planting not a lot of Christians, 0.3% evangelical Christians in our country. So if you have your Bibles, Luke 5 is the text for us today, and maybe let's, let's start with this. What are some things... You cannot imagine your life without. Like, think of something like if I would not have this, my life would be terrible. You know, like it, every time I bring a check to Minnesota to the states, they they're amazed by how much you have to drive. If you've been in Europe, we do this we do this thing. You might not know it. It's it's called walking. And so maybe a car for you guys. Maybe a phone. It can be. Uh, What's the thing that, you know, when you heard your friend, when I bought this, it changed my life? You know, it can be when I went gluten-free, or when I dropped sugar. We had this thing in the 90s, I have no idea if this will translate, but it's an American thing, and it came to check in like late 90s, I think, and it was in all the commercials, every day on TV, and you guys look kind of young, like me, so you may know it, it was called Total Gym 1000. You remember that? Like Chuck Norris commercial? <laughs> and he was like saying, you can do this on Total Gym. And it was like this gym equipment you can do like things on. And I thought, like if I would have this, that would be amazing. And I knew one guy who, in Czech who bought it. And I thought he's just the coolest person ever. But we as people, we invent things, right, to make our life better. I looked it up. Listen, in 1902. People invented the teddy bear. So, I'm trying to think of what did the kids do before, like holding a rock. I don't know. 1909, instant coffee. 1913, a bra. 1927, television. 1938, a ballpoint pen. And 2007, iPhone. Okay, so. We're constantly seeking, right? There's a lot of inventions. We're constantly seeking how to make our lives better. When I'm here, people always talk about what neighborhood, you know, we should live. Like, I heard, like, so- somewhere, like, it's an average American's move, like, eight times in a lifetime. In Czech, it's once. And you're constantly seeking, like, what neighborhood is better? What house could be bigger? What house can be more? That's, I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying that's, that's what we do. We're trying to make our life better, we want to start fresh, maybe a little bit easier. And even though it seems like we're surrounded by things, like we're wealthy, that our wealth maybe has no precedence in history, we need more. right? It seems like joy, fulfillment, meaning is somehow still slipping away. I did a little bit of study about you guys, and in the USA in 2009, 25% of all high schoolers said that they have constant feeling of sadness and hopelessness. So, it's fourth of high schoolers. And in 2021, it was 44 percent. So, almost double. And for girls, it was 57 percent. More than every other girl says, she feels constant, constant feelings of sadness and hopelessness. And maybe you're not depressed today, but you know and feel like you're, like you're missing something. And the things you buy, the things you surround yourself with, are not solving it. And this is what Czech Republic is about too. Czech Republic is a very godless nation in a sense of it's very just non-religious. There's a small Christian church and that's pretty much the only religion. And everything that the world tells us is similar. Everything is about you, you have to look good, get a good education, house, fulfill your dreams, like the Czech dream is to go on a vacation once a year and have a low mortgage. And if you do that, You made it in life. And I was like that. I became a Christian when I was 19. If you would meet me at 18 and ask me, Vashik, do you know anybody who believes in God? I would say, I don't know anybody. That's our context. I I had no idea if those people even exist. I thought Christianity was something that died out like in 17th century. But life was about this, just pursuit of these things and maybe just grab other things like go on a vacation, buy stuff, and maybe be happy. And the first Christians I actually met were from Minnesota. They got me to this evangelistic English camp. They told me, come here, teach, you know, to learn English. And they did tell me it's Christian, you know, so Christian trap, you know them. <laughs> you know <those. laughs> come to this church, they have coffee, you know. And then tell the pastor, he's coming. But message of Christianity was different than what I thought it is. I thought people just need to believe in something because they're weak or they're afraid of death. But the message of Christianity was people, us, we are created for God to find our meaning, our joy, and our fulfillment in Him. And the problem is, it's not that we're not looking for those things like fulfillment, joy, meaning. The problem is that we're looking for them in created things and not the Creator. And we only find broken glimpses of that in things. And we always be thirsty. And Jesus, now we're coming to the text. Jesus, a few thousand years back, walked the earth. The Bible says he preached the gospel. Man can be with God and part of his family again. The kingdom of God is coming. You can actually live for what you have been created for. And this is how we get to the text. So if you have the Bibles, this is verse one. And this text, we have in front of us, these few verses are about meeting Jesus. You know, Peter, Simon Peter, will meet Jesus really for the first time. And it's about meeting Jesus. And maybe for you today, I also want this moment, this next 30 minutes to be, maybe you need to meet Jesus. For some of you, for the first time. For some of you, for the first time in a while. And the text says this. So this is verse one. On one occasion... While the crowd was pressing on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. So I have five points today, and first point is this. When we were meeting Jesus, we were meeting somebody who brings something else, who brings something more. And the, le- the, reason, the reason why people listen to Jesus, the Bible tells us, it's not just that he, be- he, be- he, came to- he came to earth with a new invention. It was not like, oh, I heard that he makes really mean wine. We should go there you know, let's meet by the lake because we know he can't make wine out of water, so a lot of wine. (laughs) No, Bible tells us that when they listened to Jesus, it was like he speaks like somebody who has authority, like somebody who, there's something else about him. Like the text, this first verse tells us they were pressing on him, why? To hear the word of God. Right? So we've been doing this English camp still in Czech Republic when we invite American kids to come, usually high schoolers. And, you know, it's, it's different. Like in Czech, people learn English. And it's different when you learn English from a native speaker, right? So most of, ours, most of our teachers at high schools are these old ladies who graduated from Russian and are trying to teach kids Oxford English. And when they meet, you know, native speakers, the, di- the experience is different. They know the language. You know, high schoolers know how to talk. They may, you know, Czechs may be actually better at grammar than. Uh, American high-schoolers, English grammar. But they want to talk. And they know how to speak because they're from there. You know, I have an accent, I'm from Czech Republic, but if I started to speak Czech, it's a different language. You know, you can trust me, it's Czech, because I'm from there, and when Jesus spoke, and when Jesus spoke about heavenly things, people thought, well, he speaks like somebody who is from there. You know, it's, it has, it's, all, the, all these teachers and Pharisees and philosophers and like traveling preachers, they, they, they speak of something they just like maybe heard about or learned from somebody else. But when Jesus speaks the word of God, he speaks like somebody who just came from there. He is heaven's native speaker. And that's how he sounds like. That's why we come to him. That's why our messages, our sermons are about him, about what he said, or either him personally or through his apostles, because that's, it's coming from the native speakers. And so we're meeting, when we're meeting Jesus, we're meeting somebody who's not like others. This guy is not like others. He brings truth. And these people at the lake listening to him preach, they heard a lot of, lot of stories and sermons. There were a lot of traveling preachers, philosophers, but this guy, there's something else about him. Okay, verse, three, verse 2 and 3. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out, out of them and washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. I'm reading from the, from the ESV, if you have the NIV. He asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. So he used the boat as his pulpit. Love it. I This is a great pulpit, I'm trying to, at our church, I'm trying to get a whiskey barrel as my pulpit. It's not working out yet, but they would totally let me, I just haven't found a good barrel. But, But notice this, so this is what we believe as Christians, right? God came into the world. Jesus Christ, not his last name, Jesus the Christ came to the world, got the son, Jesus is not just a better teacher, enlightened person, hippie philosopher. He's God in flesh. And right now, he's somewhere in the middle of nowhere, by a lake, on somebody's boat, doesn't even have a stage, with blue-collar workers and teaching people. Which brings me to the second point. We're meeting Jesus. We're meeting somebody who is for all kinds of people. Or in other words, you do not have to become someone for God to talk to you or to call you. And some of you you may have this idea this morning, for God to talk to me, to actually speak into my life. I have to first become someone else. You know, I have to finish this annual Bible plan that I'm reading, not, you know, stop in March, like every year. Pray more, do more, give more. Pastors, people in ministries, those are the people God talks to the most. Maybe in the future. Like, we have this idea that God is waiting on some more sanctified version of ourselves that's kind of somewhere in the future to talk to and to love, but not right now. I have to do something first. But notice, this is a bizarre scene. Jesus is talking to the crowd, but the workers and the fishermen are still there, and he gets onto their ship. They did not even come to listen to him. The text tells us they're fishing all night, and they're washing their nets. Like, I don't know, have you, have you ever worked a night shift? How many of you are, after a night shift, ready for a sermon? Like, when you come home, first thing, you know, you're barely ready now, and it's morning and you have coffee. When you come home, I'm just like gonna to listen to a sermon, I'm just gonna to go to sleep. And we will find out that they worked whole night and did not catch anything. You know, exhausted, disappointed, maybe angry. You know, these people prayed before they went to work probably. Did not catch anything. Like their life depends on it, right? They're not fishing for fun. And maybe they're listening to the sermon like Jesus is preaching from the boat and they're like washing their nets and like working and they're super just exhausted, tired, angry at God, maybe. Maybe they listen kind of half-heartedly. They think this is not for us, it's for the crowd. It's for somebody else. You know, maybe they don't have a radio so they listen to this religious nonsense and then how easy though it is to think that the message is for somebody else. And maybe that's what you're doing right now. But listen, they're not there by accident. As you're not here by accident either. And Jesus will find out is there mainly because of the people who came not to listen. Who didn't think he's coming for them. We don't know anything about the crowd. But we'll know everything soon about the people who worked all night and did not come to listen. All kinds of people. Verse 4 and 5. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. It kind of gives us a glimpse, like an insight into their situation. Like we toiled all night and took nothing. You know, I don't know if you ever tried to fish. We we're trying to fishing for fun. I was at the park last week, and there was like a dad with a girl, and they were fishing, and she, she kept swearing. She was like, oh, crap. Like every time she was, it's like, those are not Christians, you know, obviously. But imagine trolling all night and coming home to your wife, to your kids with nothing, with nothing. And there's some religious guy, a teacher, and everybody knew, at that time, you, you fish during the night, right? Because you don't have a sonar, or like you don't have fancy equipment, you have a giant net. And it's better if you fish when the fish don't see the giant net. And that's usually at night. And this guy, this teacher comes during the day, and says, why don't you try this? <laughs> have you ever had that? Like, you're really good at something, and like you're struggling, and this guy comes, doesn't know anything at all, you know, and tries to help you, and you're like, Just leave me alone. But the third point is this. Meeting Jesus oftentimes means that Jesus comes into our situation, whatever it may be. And even it may be for you right now, maybe you're not trying to listen, maybe your mind is somewhere else. You're thinking about what you're going to do when you get back home or trouble like a real trouble, pain, and Jesus is here. And in Peter's response, Simon's response, we see two inter- interesting things. And first, is a little bit of just distrust. He says, Jesus tells them, why don't you try this? And he, he says, Master, we were fishing the entire night. We were fishing the entire night, and not just, you know, it's not just like we opened a couple beers, watched the net, had a game on the radio, it was the playoffs, you know, from Minnesota, so the team lost. (laughs) It's funny because it's true. No, he says, we toiled. This is a hard work. We toiled and didn't, it didn't work. Like, fish are somewhere else. Like, this is, this, is in his, this is in that sentence. There's no reason this should work. Does this resonate a little bit with you? There's no reason this should work. Like, some of you may be in that position. I'm losing my faith. There's no reason this should work. This should be for anything good. I'm, I'm going through this in my life. This guy is sick, or my friend is sick, or I'm sick. And I just don't see how this is for anything good. I tried a lot of things. I toiled. Maybe I tried the spiritual things a few times. I tried to pray, did not see any results. I told this person about God, but they did not become a Christian. I'm struggling with the sin. I just can't get over this. I read all kinds of books. I worked, I tried, you know, I had this friend, when I became a Christian, I was 19, and none of my friends were Christians, and I didn't like, like, the Christians at the church in my city, I I thought I was cool, you know, and I thought they're not cool, and I shared the gospel with my friend, his name is Petter, or in English, Peter, and he was this, like, my best friend, he was on a basketball team, really cool guy, and i like, I shared the gospel. I remember, like one night, I was screaming at him at like a disco at night. I was screaming, like you know, super drunk to yeah. Him, not me. I was a Christian, and I was screaming at him the gospel. And I was like, "This is what Jesus is doing." And it's like, "You need to repent." And it's like, "No, no, no." I remember praying for Peter a lot of times. Like I was, "God save Peter," it was kind of my prayer. And I remember one night, I was praying for Peter, "God save Peter." But then I stopped. And I realized I don't believe, like, in my, like if I'm honest, in my heart, I don't believe God is going to save him. Like I don't see there's any way he's going to become a Christian. And I just like, <laughs> I confess that. I was like, I'm praying for it better because I think that's the right thing to do. It's the Christian thing. But like, if I'm honest, I don't believe he will. There's no way. He came to Christ a week after, and he's an elder at our church. And this, this is kind of in this, right? Like, this is, I don't even trust something would change, but I will pretend I do, because that's what Christians should be doing. And for some of you today, maybe coming to Jesus would mean, would not mean for the first time, but maybe for, for the first time in a while, not pretending. Just laying down what you really believe, like your heart, and maybe, you know, dirty and bad. But it's you. There's no reason this should work. But there's something else in the text. There's more. What if? You know, what if? What if there's something about this guy, he says, but if you say so, at your word. And Simon has seen him before. And even if he's full of doubts, he's tired, maybe there's a little openness that it can be true. I want you to have it too. But listen, Simon just listened to the whole sermon. He was there with the crowd from his own boat or maybe next to the boat. He didn't know it was directed to him. And the question when I studied this text was, I had this question. These fishermen just listened to the whole sermon, right? They've been there with the crowd. They listened to the whole sermon. So why is Jesus going fishing with them? You know, he said his spiel, he said his sermon. They have heard, I think, that their life may change. But they need to believe that the one standing in front of them can actually change it. And listen, Christianity, this is, this is what we're doing here is about Christ. It's not just in information about Him, it's about a person. We're coming not just to something written about Him, we actually coming to Him. And you will experience that during communion after this as well. We're actually coming to Him right now. Information alone is not enough. And in the midst of their hopelessness, when they're coming home with nothing, exhaustion probably, maybe anger, you know, what we'll we do, do tomorrow, what we'll we eat, Jesus gets onto their boat. And it will show them who it really is that's standing in their boat. Listen, verse six and seven. And when they, have got, when they had done this, what Jesus told them, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled the both boats. So they began to sing. You know, this is just a few nibbles, right? If your boat is sinking, you got a lot of fish. And this creates an interesting reaction in Peter and Simon. Instead of saying, like, so they, they have this huge catch, and in, Peter is not saying, like, Lord, come with us every day. We can be called God and sons. You know, like, we can start a business. <laughs> You'll do the catching, we'll sell them. He says the opposite. It's, it's weird. He doesn't say, come along every day. We'll be rich. He says, that when Simon and Peter saw it, He fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Why did Peter say that? Why did Simon say that? I think it's because he realizes in that moment who is standing in front of him. And I guarantee you, we would have the same reaction. And notice, he's not master anymore. He is Lord. Luke, up to this point in his gospel, used that word Lord 30 times, always in a a connection of Lord God. And this is the first time it's used. Jesus is Lord. And this is the fourth point. When we meet Jesus, we are meeting somebody who's better than us. I want you to be in this with me. Like, what about you? Like, Jesus comes to your life normal life, imagine Wednesday, what are you doing? Playing baseball with your kids, working in your office, staying at home, and Jesus comes. These guys are tired. They did not come to him. They're not at his house or at his church. He's in their boat. And Simon's eyes are open. He looks him in the eyes. God, perfectly holy, pure, righteous, just, and any idea of our own goodness falls apart. Like, what is your strength? What are you good at? You're good at maybe singing or like doing things. My, my daughter is five. She is really good at drawing pictures. Like our teachers, like at her kindergarten, they would tell us she's very good. She's like ahead of other people. And when they, you know, when we have kids ministries, you can easily tell like which pictures are hers because it's pretty good. I'm not that good. You know, one time we played Pictionary with my friends. I was supposed to draw, uh, supposed to draw a frog people thought it's, it's a wolf, <laughs> so that's my level, and my daughter is great, and when she's in the room with other kids, she draws nice, but as, as soon as, as I'm in the room, you know, I, I suck, I suck, but I'm way better than her, you know, I can draw circles, and that's it's it's enough to be better. You know this. Some of you are good athletes, good musicians. But when you meet your role model, someone who knows you know is really good at the thing you do, you just know how bad you are. You just oh, I'm not as good as this guy. This is just. And listen, we're as good. We are good people if God is not in the room. We may compare ourselves to other people, like yeah, I'm better than Joe. Obviously here. But in the moment, our eyes are open to the reality that God is here too. We're no longer good, no longer righteous. And many people, if you read the Bible and you read about a people, there's just few people who met him, everybody knows this. Like people are way better than us, like the prophet Isaiah, God tells him to go to the streets naked for three years. And what does he do? He does it. You know That's a guy who takes his faith seriously right? And when he meets God, Christ, actually, in Isaiah 6, what does he say? Woe to me, for I am lost. I'm a man of unclean lips, living amongst the people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King. You know, little John from the Gospels, Jesus' best friend, the disciple whom Jesus loved, you know, little John, sees a glimpse of jesus in his glory in revelation one and the text says says and he dropped to the floor like a dead man you know these christians that's varsity christianity right these people wrote the bible and they drop dead when they see christ and i want you to be in this with me perfect righteous god is looking in your eyes and in that moment You realize this scary thing. He knows. He knows the way you look at women. He knows the way you handle your money. He knows all the things you don't tell other people. He knows what you do alone. He knows all your dirt, all your lies. And maybe the first thought you have when Jesus is looking at you is oh crap, he knows. There's no hiding. And the text says, Simon falls to his knees in the middle of his boat. Like the boat that was full of fish, full of wealth, they just acquired. doesn't matter. doesn't matter what I have now, if this is who he says he is. And he says, instead of come with me every time, he says, go away. Like, I can't be with you right now. And he says, why? For I am a sinful man. I'm not worth it. It's better that you go. And one of Jesus' first words that he tells him. He says, this is, this is awesome, he says, do not be afraid. It's, not, it's like God looking into your eyes right now and sees everything, right, everything. You, all your shame, and you think, oh, I oh, know. you waiting for judgment that you deserve. And it puts his arm around your shoulder and says, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. This is my last point. Not only we meet someone, not only when we're meeting Jesus, we meet someone who's better than us. We're meeting somebody who's for us, who's for us. That we must hear, all of us. And maybe you forget that God is actually close, he knows and that he cares. And maybe you're a little shy, embarrassed, think that God is going to talk to the more sanctified version of myself in the future and not me right now. And if we would meet him today, maybe we would have the same fear and would start thinking about something, all the things we did wrong. Anxiousness from the fact that he knows, but if you are his, he looks at you and says, I know. You're afraid that he knows, he says, I know don't be afraid. That's what he called the amazing grace. I don't understand how can, how can he say, don't be afraid. But he does. And if you don't, if you don't understand this, you don't understand the gospel enough. God is looking at you, and you might be afraid, but he's smiling and says, I know. Come to me. And listen, gospel does not excuse our sin. Jesus paid the highest price. He shed his blood for it gospel says God is even greater than that. He has more love than you have shame. And at the same time, what Jesus does, and this is the last verses of this text, Jesus gives, what Jesus gives to Peter is not only words of comfort. Don't be afraid. He gives him new meaning. He gives him new fulfillment. He gives him new life. Don't be afraid. Yes. And your life starts anew. Today. Christ saves us from our sin to a new life. Not just from something, but to something. And this is how the text end. Verse 9. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, the son of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. And what does he say next? And from now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Meeting Jesus changes lives. That is why we want others to meet him. That's why we want to be close to him ourselves. It's meeting somebody our life was created for. You know, Colossians, everything was created through him and for him. It's meeting somebody who's just not addition to our old life. He is our new life. And maybe you need to come to him after you after finish. Maybe after a time of hiding and coming to him as like this pretended version of you when you so care about people and you pray about giving them. I don't care about them, actually. Come to me, I, don't, I pray for all these people. I don't care. Maybe you need to come to him as you are. And actually receive grace. Not just pat on your shoulder. You did well. And the text says, they left everything and followed him. Meeting Jesus is to see there's nothing worth losing if the price is him. Like the culture tells us, Christian is stupid. It tells you to give up all these things and like it forces you to believe these things uh, that are awkward today. But that's just saying Christ is not worth it. But we believe he is. He is better than us and he is for us. And the calling today is not you have to get your life together, the calling right now is you must be born again to a new life. Even though your, may, your life may be chaotic, hard, you made a lot of mistakes, you can be born again. Even though your life may be organized, amazing, great, awesome, you must be born again. Because He is worth it. Do not settle for anything if He is available. Be shocked by your sin, amazed by His grace, and ready to leave anything for Him. I close with prayer and then Ron will come up. Father, I ask you today to, especially for people who came, not to listen. Not to listen to you. Maybe to get their Christianity points that they went to church or something else, but they did not come to actually meet you. To be amazed at your grace. I pray for them that you would break through. That you would start breaking through and their life would start anew. Maybe they know you, but they just haven't really seen you in a while. Maybe they struggled, they toiled and didn't see results. I pray they would see you and see that you alone are worth any toil. So I ask you to meet them today and maybe lead them to confession of sin. Maybe just to rest and breathing freely that they belong to you. Amen.